This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the evening worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for February 26th, 2023. The title of the message is Finishing the Race. Well, if you would turn with me, we continue in our series through the uh, pastoral epistles. We come to the last chapter in Paul's second letter to Timothy. If you turn with me to, to chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Last week, we looked at uh, the final charge, if you will, the charge that Paul gives to Timothy about uh, the way that, that Timothy ought to conduct his ministry in the first five verses there. And then now we come to some of the, the concluding personal, uh, uh, tender personal words uh, that Paul gives reflecting upon his own life and his coming demise as, an, as a prisoner for Christ. So if you turn with me now, hear now the reading of God's word beginning in verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to also all, who have loved his appearing. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. May he add his blessing to it this evening. Uh, Here we find ourselves at Paul's lowest point in his ministry, in his persecution, in his suffering. He is humiliated uh, after trials and tribulations, after shipwreck, after being attacked, being thrown out of cities, uh, running for his life, being arrested, and then uh, being being tortured and on appeal, uh, claims his Roman citizenship, and as a result, uh, he has to be tried. He could have been let go if he'd just taken his beating, but because he appealed to his Roman citizenship, he had to be tried uh, in Rome. And so uh, he has to be transported in chains by Roman imperial guards. And this is where we find ourselves in, uh, in Paul's life as he writes Second Timothy. Uh, he is humiliated very much like the Lord Jesus Christ. His opponents use it to denigrate him, to say, look at his life. He's imprisoned. Uh, he must have done something wrong. He's cursed. Uh, maybe his gospel, the message that he preaches, is is um, is is about suffering, not glory, right? And and so he, they take his imprisonment, his chains, and his uh, coming doom as proof that God's favor wasn't with him, right? There's a kind of implicit. Uh, an implicit uh, prosperity gospel. But Paul's gospel is one in which 
God's triumph comes through tragedy, that suffering is the path to glory. And so for Paul, this is no surprise, but for, for his opponents, they are using it uh, to, to uh, weaken his position and to, to show everyone that he's not really a true apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he has no friends uh, who, who are around him, with him, and, and as we know from our preaching in Philippians, uh, it's just the Philippians, and they, they only sent a, a few uh, representatives. Uh, he is abused probably by his jailers. It was common practice to be beaten and, and starved and uh, left to die in, in the prison there. And, and so Paul's misfortune and suffering, uh, the question is, is it a part of his gospel ministry? Is Paul suffering and in, in prison something that is in accord with the very character of the gospel and of his apostolic ministry, or is it counter to it? Uh, this evening, Paul tells us that it is of the very character of the gospel uh, that he experiences this misfortune and, and uh, imprisonment. That rather than being ashamed of his chains, Paul shows us the triumph of his suffering for the gospel in his last days, in these last days. Paul shows us then how to live and to die for Jesus in these short verses. This is what he's conveying to Timothy and to you and to me. So what is he doing? First, how does he show us how to live and die for Jesus? Well, he shows us first how to live in the present reality of, of coming death. Right? In other words, Paul is showing us how to live in order to die and how to die in order to live. Look at that first verse. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, right? It's inevitable. It's happening. It, the, the, uh, the wheels are set in motion and the time of my departure has come. He is on the brink, on the precipice of death. And so he shows us then this present reality of, of coming death with two, with two images, two, two metaphors, biblical metaphors. The first is the sacrificial death uh, of the Old Testament, if you remember in uh, in the uh, uh, in the Pentateuch, in Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and even Deuteronomy, the whole sacrificial system uh, is a is is a a description of of what it means to to sacrifice unto the Lord, how to make sacrifices, how to give sacrifices, and what it means to be a sacrifice. And Paul takes the whole idea of the sacrificial system and he applies it to his very death that is coming. He says, I am being poured out. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. If you remember in, in the book of Leviticus, whenever there's an animal sacrifice, a bull, a goat, a lamb, that when, when they were sacrificed, when they were cut and they were bled, the, ble the blood would drip forth from the altar. And then the priest would then pour out wine 
uh, to signify the blood being poured out and the drink being poured out as a sacrifice unto the Lord, a sacrifice for sin, a peace offering, uh, a fellowship, whatever the context of that sacrifice was. But it was whole, it was meant to be a holy sacrifice, uh, a sacrifice that is pleasing to the Lord in which the animal and the person pour out their offering uh, for the glory and worship to the Lord. And Paul is saying, I am this sacrifice. That when I die, it is a sacrifice unto the Lord and he's being poured out. Um, and it makes you think about the, the, the pouring out of, of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When he was hung upon the cross, when he was nailed it by in his hands and his feet and wore the crown of thorns and was pierced at his side, uh, he became a poured out drink offering. Even And we even uh, catch that metaphor in, in the Lord's Supper, in the drinking of the wine. That, that in the, as the wine is being poured out for us, Jesus poured himself out for our salvation. And then he goes on to talk about his coming death as a time of, as a departure of a boat from, from shore to wherever it is, wherever the boat is, uh, uh, destination is. And, um, and I think this is Paul's ever present reality, uh, that he has always had throughout his life that, this is what he signed up for. This is what the Lord Jesus called him to, right? If you remember in Acts 19 or Acts 9, uh, when, when Jesus, uh, when he met, when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he was blinded by the light and he spoke to, to, to Paul and he says, Paul, Saul, Saul, why, why are you persecuting me? And, and then he called him to be an apostle and uh, and look what listen to what the Lord says uh, of Paul to Paul in verses fifteen and sixteen of, of Acts nine. But the Lord said to him, "Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name." Um, and so. Uh, what we see here is Paul as a sacrifice, and in and in being a sacrifice, he departs. And this, and here, uh, let me just touch on the beauty of this imagery of of the ship departing. Um, that uh, it is uh, the same imagery that Paul that that the Lord Jesus Christ gave when at the Mount of Transfiguration. I don't know if you remember that scene where where he's at the Mount of Transfiguration and. All of a sudden, Elijah and Moses appear, and they're talking. They're talking, and um, Jesus makes reference to his coming departure. And uh, the Old Testament translation of departure is, guess what? Is exodus. And so what Jesus is saying here is that my exodus is about to come in my coming death. Exodus from slavery uh, to salvation to glory. And what Paul is saying here is that his own exodus is coming from 
from his earthly life, from uh, everything that is fallen, that the Lord is redeeming, it will all be complete and he will depart like a ship to another shore. And so uh, that sailing imagery is, is very important throughout scripture. And what I love about this imagery is it reminds me of that scene in J.R.R. Tolkien's at the end of, of The Lord of the Rings, right? When, um, when Gandalf and the elves and the ring bearers, Frodo and Bilbo, uh, you know, they, they, the burden that they, that they uh, bore was so difficult on them that they are, they're never the same. And so they have to go on this boat across the, 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 the sea to what is called the undying lands where their burdens are, are lifted from them and they can be free to live uh, uh, and enjoy life. And that's, that really is uh, very much the picture that, that the Apostle Paul is painting for us here, that he is about to depart on this boat across the sea to the undying land of heaven. And uh, what a wonderful picture that is. Uh, for for every believer who sees themselves as sacrif- as pour, drink pour uh, drink offerings being poured out uh, for Jesus and departing to Jesus uh, to the undying lands to be with Him. Uh, let me just read one uh, one quote from a commentator, and uh, he says this: "The image of a boat is indeed a beautiful one." I love the image of Paul lifting the anchor, tossing aside the ropes, and joyfully sailing to a better place. The believer never really dies. She just departs. Paul longed for his final, ultimate voyage. He told the Philippians, I have the desire to depart and to be with Christ, Philippians 1.23. Why? Because it is far better. This was Paul's dream, and now the ship was about to leave. Um, what a beautiful picture this is, not only for Paul, but for you and for me. Uh, that when we've poured out our lives for, for the gospel, for the Lord, for Jesus, for one another, for God's kingdom. And at the end of our life, whenever that might be, uh, when we are nearing our last breath, we can, we can know that we are going to depart, which is by far better to be with the Lord. And so we don't need to be afraid. It doesn't need to be uh, filled with such sadness to mourn with no hope, but it can be something that, uh, that we look forward to the way that Paul does here. That is something we aspire to, to, to live well so that we might die well. And so if we're going to gain our life, we have to be ready to lose it. And if we are to lose our life, then we will for sure gain it. And so this is my challenge to you. How are you living your life? Are you living it as a sacrifice to the Lord in that all you do, you do for him? To lay down your life as Jesus laid down his life for us? To be like the Son of Man who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, to give his life for the blessing of others, to be poured out, 
to give fully of yourself to the glory of God. Um, and then at the end of it all, to get on that ship to depart for the undying land, which is far better to be with the Lord. Secondly, he not only looks uh, to, to the present reality of death, but he looks also then back to the past uh, as illustrations of triumph and victory. He looks at what he has done in his life up to then as a past triumph of victory, uh, particularly a victory of the gospel. Look at what he says here. He gives three illustrations, three, three uh, metaphors, three imagery uh, regarding um, uh, how he has conducted his life. Look at what he says there. He says, he has fought the good fight of faith. How has he fought the good fight? He's fought the spiritual battles that have come his way. And this reminds us then of Ephesians chapter 6, um, uh, verses 12, right? What he says, he says in verse 12, he, he, you know, we think of the Christian life as maybe something earthly and physical, but Paul tells us that it is spiritual. He says, Finally, be, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the, of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And, and we just recently finished up uh, the whole armor of God, uh, the full battle uh, um, uh, uh, full battle armor to fight the forces of darkness and of evil. And so it is this fight that Paul has been fighting and waging as an apostle and as a missionary that, that he, in Ephesians 6, when he tells him to put on the whole armor of God, it's not as if it's, uh, um, you know, he is a, um, a couch, uh, uh, a, a, um, a, a, a warrior sitting on the, on the, uh, the, the back lines, telling others what to do. No, he is on the front lines. He has put on the whole armor of God himself and has been fighting on the front lines, going out and sharing the gospel, going out and planting churches, going out and doing pioneering missions where no one else has preached the gospel. And so he has fought the good fight against darkness, but also for the gospel, almost like light, uh, a, a, a javelin of light penetrating into the darkness so that the darkness would then dissipate uh, and flee. And uh, not only is it spiritual battles, but probably maybe another way to think about it is his spiritual hardships, right? Um, all the difficulties associated with his apostolic ministry. In 2 Corinthians 11.23, uh, here is just a, a just a, a smattering, really, a summary of those hardships, and and they are battles in themselves. Because can you just imagine how how you, he could fall into despair, how he could be wounded, how he could give up when all of these hardships come his way, but he fights on, 
He fights against his own complacency. He fights against his own difficulties and and uh, and he trusts in the Lord to go forward. And so listen to the summary of the hardships that he has fought against. Verse 28, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, five times I received at the hands, verse 24, five times I've received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night... And a day I was adrift uh, at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure and apart from other things. There is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And am I not weak? Who is made to fall? And am am I not indignant? These are hardships that Paul had to fight against in order then for him to be able to continue to fight that good fight. Uh, He has finished, secondly, he has finished the good race here. Look at what he says there in in, uh, verse 7. I finished the race of faith. The Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. And what's important here is that he says he finished the race. What didn't he say? What didn't he say here? He says, he doesn't say, I have won the race. He says, I finished the race. And in finishing the race, he wins the race. Uh, That's the beauty of, of perseverance in the gospel, in the Christian life. Uh, That um, he doesn't need to be first, he just needs to finish, and that's the victory. Uh, Jesus has already triumphed and, and won the victory uh, so that he can finish, and that would be the victory in Christ. Uh, this reminds us the very nature of the Christian life in Hebrews chapter 12 uh, is to run the race of endurance. Right, look at what he says. Let me read uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 for you. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, uh, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So when we run, when we run, we need to run to finish. We don't need to run uh, to be first. It's not, in that way, it's not a competition, but it's a race of perseverance. You know, when I lived in Boston, uh, Boston is known, is, is world-renowned for the marathon, the Boston Marathon. Uh, you have to qualify uh, at, in in smaller in in, in marath- lesser marathons throughout the world in order to qualify to run for the Boston Marathon and sometimes uh, what's interesting is that they also let special folks folks who are running for a charity or for a purpose to run as well and and sometimes they'll let folks with uh, disabilities run uh, for whatever reason so what was really interesting is that. Sometimes I would go and see the mass of people run at the beginning. 
And then maybe two hours and 45 minutes, whatever the, the world records are, uh, most of them are broken uh, at Boston. And they'll show the first man running across the finish line. It's usually some African man with no shoes on because <laughs> he runs like that. His feet have just are just calluses that are thicker than rubber soles. And then there's a woman usually who runs uh, soon after that. But then that, you know, then after that, it's just kind of just people just running. And But what was interesting is uh, almost inevitably uh, the, the race would start in the morning and then I'd go home and turn on the TV and around midnight, there's still people running across the finish line and there's still people cheering them on some in wheelchairs, some with crutches, uh, some who can't run, uh, but they, uh, they can barely walk. And they, they did the 26.2 miles, whatever it is. They finished the race. They endured to the end. And that is how the Lord calls us to, to live our Christian lives. <coughs> And then the third here, the third imagery is that he has kept the faith. I think there's two meanings here. There's perseverance in the faith, right? He persevered to the end. He, he ran, he, he finished the race, he, kept, he, fought, he fought the good fight, and now he kept the faith. Uh, but uh, another, another way to look at it too is that he's kept the purity of the faith, the orthodoxy of the faith. And, you know, I think it's ambiguous here. I think it, it could mean both, or at least um, it one includes the other. Uh, Paul talks to, tells Timothy to hold to the pattern of sound doctrine. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.13, guard what has been entrusted to you, 1 Timothy 6.20. Uh, the point here is that the character of the Christian life is a life of fighting to endure and to contend for the faith all the way to the end so that you can say that you kept it all. You've kept Jesus in your heart. You've kept faith uh, as, as the way in which you live your life. You've kept um, your love for Jesus like a child and not grown bitter. Uh, you've not been callous uh, to the things of God. Uh, even when you've struggled with sin, no matter how hard it's been, you've kept the faith. When everyone, when people you know fall away from Jesus left and right, uh, when it feels like you are the only one left who is going to fo follow Jesus, uh, when all of your friends and family seem to mock you and laugh at you, uh, the Lord calls us to keep the faith. And that's what Paul's doing, even in prison, um, in prison in chains. When nobody's visiting him, nobody's supporting him, nobody's encouraging him. To him, he might be, he, for all intents and purposes in his own heart, he feels like the only one, but he has kept the faith. And the Lord calls us to do the same, to run with endurance, to, to get to the finish line. And the only way we can really do that is not in our own strength, but in the, in, the, in the perseverance and endurance that Jesus himself accomplished when he cried out on the cross, it is finished. And it is that endurance and perseverance that Jesus gives to us as we put our trust in him 
uh, and live in him and for him. And then finally, Paul shows us how to live not only for the present reality of death, the past uh, perseverance to the end, he shows us how to live for the future reward of a crown of glory. Uh, when Paul, when, when he has been poured out uh, here in, in verses seven, uh, six and seven, when he has run with endurance uh, all the way to the end, Paul looks forward to that future reward of receiving a crown of righteousness. Henceforth, verse eight, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see, he knows the final outcome of his final judgment in Christ. Uh, This is the beauty of the gospel, that that righteous judgment that God pronounces upon us on the last day was previewed uh, 2,000 years ago on the judgment that Jesus received on Mount Calvary on that day. And so when we put our trust in Christ, the verdict of righteous in God's sight is given to us that our sin is given to him. He suffers the penalty and the punishment. He dies uh, bearing the guilt and wrath and shame of God in our place so that we might have the righteousness, uh, the holiness, the goodness of Christ imputed to us Uh, so that we are righteous in God's sight, proclaimed, declared to us today, which guarantees the declaration of that judgment of of righteousness on the final day. This is why we can say that we're all saved in Christ. This is why we can say we are justified by grace through faith alone, not in our works, lest anyone should boast, that the future day of judgment has been pronounced to us today in the gospel so that tomorrow when Jesus, in the future when Jesus returned, we are already righteous in God's sight. And uh, and all that's left is the open vindication of that declaration that you are righteous in God's sight on that final day of judgment. And so we can look forward to his coming and that future declaration, uh, that, that, uh, that perfection, if you will, of that declaration of righteous in Christ, in God's sight, in Christ Jesus, is permanently and forever solidified in the giving of the crown of righteousness. Right now, we have a declaration of righteousness that is sufficient for our salvation but on the last day, we will have be openly vindicated and we will get, be given an eternal crown of righteousness in Christ. And, uh, and we have this in the gospel. Let me close here. Um, let me close here that that uh, Paul shows us how to live and die for the Lord, uh, pre- being prepared for death in the present, uh, 
remembering the victory that we, the way that we've triumphed in the past and looking forward to the reward of the future with that crown of righteousness. And, uh, and may we see it as not only Paul's triumph, but our triumph in Christ. That what Paul is describing for us is how to see the past, present, and future in the context of, of the Lord's return. And, um, and so that one day, and here's my hope for all of you, that one day, um, no matter what our circumstances may be, uh, Paul is showing us that we ought to now be, be ready to be poured out as a drink offering, to be ready for our time of departure, to fight the good fight, whatever our fight may look like, to finish the race, however quickly or however slowly we may run it, and to keep the faith to the very end. Why? Because there is laid up for each and every one of you a crown of righteousness given to us by the righteous judge who will award, he will award that to you on that final day. And not only, uh, not only to Paul, he says here, but to you, to all who have loved his appearing. And, um, and may that be our great confession and may it be our great reward. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for, uh, for this wonderful truth of what it means to live and to die for you. Lord, we look forward to that crown of righteousness. Help us to live lives pleasing to you because Jesus did it all for us. In his name we pray, amen.